What's going on? This is the man of the hour, Leo Rush, and you are now listening to Matt Madness Podcast. They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host for tonight, Alo Aaron Lloyd. I'm joined by Ek to Fly, Eric Trembicki, and we, we might as well just make this a permanent thing at this point. What do you think? Might as well. Introduce <laughs> me as your best friend next oh, time, all right? Little, uh, little my, best friend, name. my best friend, fellow father, Ek to Fly, Eric Trembicki. Wow, you're just going to drop that on the pod like that, fellow father? You know what's funny? Since Ronda's, the elite de- group text is dead, so this is how Ron's going to find out. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yo, all right, we're going to skip this and go straight to AEW. <laughs> what, what a week to be an AEW fan. Yes. A lot going on in the world of uh, all elite wrestling. Yes, so everybody, Alo's gonna be a baby father. So I, I'm, I'm having a baby. Congrats, bro! I'm officially, Congrats. I'm officially part of Dad Club after years of egging me on. I'm finally in it. So thank you for you and your you and Prep support during this time. <laughs> we, we, we're here for you, DPF. I, I appreciate it. So uh, this past Saturday night we had AEW Double or Nothing. Uh, if you've never been with us before, we'll play for you our rating system right now. The following podcast has a rating system in place. If it's a horrible show, it gets a jobber. If the show falls somewhere in the middle, it gets a slower knocker. And... If it is an amazing show, it gets the rating of ratings, it will get a showstopper. All right, thank you, Howard. R.I.P. So, Eric, your thoughts on AEW Double or Nothing? Uh, AEW Double or Nothing was a fun and enjoyable show. I'm going to jump right into it with my rating. It was a showstopper. Okay, give me some thoughts. Um, One, this was the most... Do, do you have the time stamp for the show? Even three hours, a little above, three and a half? Uh, oh, hold up. I actually have it up. I think it was like 347. So. 343. You know, most times with wrestling in, in recent memory, um, we complain about long shows. I have no complaints about the length of the show because I was thoroughly enjo- uh, invested and enjoyed the show top to bottom. Aside from that, this is the most I've enjoyed a wrestling product during this pandemic period. Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record. AEW has been a treat during this. They've always, I think, over-delivered given the cards that they have been dealt. Um, we'll get to the main event, but i just like to uh, I'll start with this. With what we got during the main event, how can a one-year-old company be so creative and so good and another company not be. But we'll get to that. <laughs> Alright, so I wanna give this a showstopper, but I feel like this entire show needed a crowd, like a real crowd so bad. Cause I thought there's there were some things that needed way more reaction. Like specifically the Cody and Archer needed the crowd. Like we knew Cody isn't gonna wow us in the ring with any moves, but 
the story that Cody and Archer had built then, I thought it needed a crowd. And kind of the same goes for Mox and Brody Lee. And I'm not sure your thoughts on the Hikaru Shida match. I thought it was entirely too long, but for what they were doing and for, for how long they were out there, I thought they got a lot of time. I thought they needed a crowd because I thought the outcome might have actually got a big pop if there was, a, there was actually a crowd. I thought the undercard was good. Spears and Dustin, that was booked perfectly. Uh, Darby Allen and Frank Kazarian damn near almost killed each other in that ladder match. And uh, MJF and Jungle Boy was fun. The stadium stampede match was completely ridiculous. But I loved every second of it. Definitely a match of the year candidate. I watched it three times a day. There you go. Three times today. So you've seen it four times. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So, like, granted, like, this, it's been a rough year for wrestling, especially for the last three or four months with everything that's going on. So it's kind of hard to actually pinpoint matches that you actually have a, as a match of the year contender. But I think that, that this is definitely one of them. Uh, Matt Hardy is an absolute gem. I might, he might be better than ever because. With him now, you never know what the hell you're going to get. He's, yes. he, especially from this past week on Dynamite, he made me want yeah, his, old, yes. his old elite for, for, just for those tights and put a new head on it because he's basically completely reinvented himself yet again. It, every every other seven hours with that guy, he's, he's so good. And I, I was going to basically piggyback on what you were going to say, and I was going to say, hey, he, he did that again this Wednesday. Um, you know... The women's division AEW, I'm not here to brag about it because I think it needs more wrestlers, which I think they debuted a very, very good women's wrestler this week on Dynamite. But in reference, like, their championship matches, now I'm not, I'm not big on Nyla Rose, but I was there day one, first AEW Dynamite, where I believe, I believe it was the first Dynamite episode where, where they had the women's championship match, correct? Yeah, that was mm-hmm. – or was that Philly? Yes. DC, that match was really good. And I wasn't I wasn't overly invested in Rio. I, I was not a fan of Nyla. I would say 85% or more of the crowd, when that match started, they weren't invested. That match went really, really long. And everyone was invested by the end, and everyone loved that match by the end. So you're probably right. They could have had that exact same scenario where you could have had a semi-dead crowd, and by the end of it, they were really invested. Um, however, I thought for what the match was, I did enjoy what I got of it. I did enjoy the title change, which I don't think the majority of us that were here or you know that watched it, I don't think we anticipated the title change. So I always like a title change when you don't see it coming. Um, you you hit the nail in the head with they booked Spears versus Rhodes perfectly. Um, that match couldn't have went more enjoyable, more fun. Uh, it, but you know when I, when I look back, yes, yeah, Stadium Stampede, hilarious, fun, theatrics. It, I, they could not have done that match better. Um, I enjoyed Archer for Cody for a. Uh, for the TNT title for what it was. And then also what I really want to chime in on is the world title match. I thought Moxley and Lee over-delivered, you know, given the circumstances. I said when the match ended, I was like, you know what? You know, I, I really couldn't pay attention, but I was like, this match seemed really good. And I think it's a match I can go back. And when I watch it again, I'm really going to enjoy it, which the, the next day I watched this crazy. I haven't watched the stadium stampede four times like you, but I have watched that world title match three times. I watched it live. I watched it the next night. 
and I knew I was distracted when I watched it the next night, so I watched it. I watched it Monday night. Monday night, the only wrestling I watched was I watched that world title match, and I thought that match was really good, given everything and uh, everything that they had built up for just three weeks. Moxley has said in interviews that you know he wished he could add two months to put into that storyline, but he feels like they did the best they could with that time and. Uh, I think that's a match that, you know, people, you know, a year or two or, you know, maybe 10 years, 20 years, like we still go back and look at early 2000s WWF matches and you'll look back and be like, wow, for them not having a crowd, they, they really showed out. Yeah, and to go back to the AEW women's division, uh, they have plenty of women. It's just the fact of, like, for example, they put emphasis on the Japanese, the Japanese women, and I appreciate it, but the transition for them is always harder for the states because mm-hmm. we always talk yeah, about, yeah. for example, Oscar. Like WWE, they booked Oscar perfectly and they gave her the perfect character, so that's why she kind of translated pretty easily. But like for example, Rio and you were at the first show, and I remember when Ron and, and us talked about it, we were like, "Oh my god, what is this?" And then after the match, we were all fans of it. And same thing here with Hikaru Shida, but I like Hikaru Shida, I really do, but we'll see where it goes out of it, and let's see if like if she's made a bigger deal as the champion, because I kind of feel like the AEW Women's Champion, whoever it is, hasn't really been a big deal <clears throat> in the first few months of, Dyna- of AEW Dynamite, <clears throat> when it's, whether it's Rio, Nyla Rose, but not now we got to see what we got with Hikaru Shida. And uh, we'll start here with the Stadium Stampede match. Like I said, a match of the year candidate. Uh, I'm not a fan of Sammy Kavara. But when he is injured or running away from anything, I'm all for. Yeah, he, he kills that spot. I mean, he really owns that thing. And he, he dies. Nobody dies better than him. Yeah, like, like when he does stuff like that, I'm all for it. Because like, I think that's like the perfect role for him. I, re- I, re- I really do. I think he's like the perfect character to just get his ass beat all the time. Uh, Chris Jericho challenging the three count. Going into the booth with the referee with the red flag, I thought was amazing. The booth, the booth was gold. <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, even the whole spot of um, Hangman and Kenny like reconciling at the bar when uh, they they jumped Jake Hager when Kenny came to his rescue, I thought that was a lot of fun. So that, that, so they actually even still so, told some story in that match, which I really did enjoy. And like I said, Matt Hardy an absolute gem. And uh, wait a minute. Yeah, so I kind of want to bring this up. So this was one of the things that I think AEW kind of did better than WWE in, as far as the Money in the Bank match for WWE. So this match kind of went to the to the casual fans too because I saw people reposting this a couple times saying like you got like if you rather not you like wrestling you kind of got to watch this like they're wrestling in the middle of a football field. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually it's it's funny you say that because I was trying to talk to tell my dad. He was like, he's a guy, he's a guy. You 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 watch one of your wrestling pay per views yesterday? And I was like, oh yeah. I was like, this is really good. It's it's like uh you know. I was like, no no, it's not WWE. It's a new company. Blah blah. blah. I was like, dad, they they they're so creative. They had this their main event. It was five guys versus five guys. And the ring, the ring was set up for the fifty-yard line of the football field. I was like, "Dad, that's that's crazy." He's like, "Well, two years ago, didn't you go to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome to watch wrestling? What's the difference?" And I'm like, "Well, there actually was a football field." He's like, "Yeah, but where you were sitting, 
you were sitting where the football field is. It's like, geez, I really didn't think of it like that. I guess it's not as creative as I thought. Well, did, did you mention to dad that uh, the turf was on the ground? You know, them Polacks, they don't, they don't get it at all. <laughs> I love dad. Uh, so we'll go to, matter of fact, we'll start for what happened after Dynamite. So after Matt Hardy and Young Bucks got a victory over Joey Janela and Private Party, uh, Blade and the Butcher come out and they attack the Young Bucks and we get the debut of FTR and they take out Butcher and Blade and we finally get the visual for the first time ever of FTR and the Young Bucks face to face. So your thoughts on FTR joining AEW this early because we, we just heard him want to talk as Jericho and they were going through a bunch of rust tag teams that they actually wanted to face and I didn't expect them to see, see them in AEW this early but I didn't expect them to either, which makes them showing up good, which or just as surprising. Because if it was week one of the world being back together and then they came, like, oh, yeah, it's about to happen. You're going to have these surprises. You're going to have people rolling in. I think they're going to be, aside from Brian Cage, the only surprise we get until the world's back together. I love hate thing. The go-home show to Double or Nothing, we get Cody pull up in his pickup truck, which he's mentioned in reference on social media, podcasts, and the show in the feud to MJF. Following week, we get the same pull-up spot in a truck. You get FTR pulling up. thing I do love about it is how – old school the truck was the old the truck fit their character i really i'm i'm not real big on pulling the current back but i really want to know that they own that truck because that was a badass truck <laughs> and it, they pulled up like they were extras out of the movie public enemies um i was all for the debut but you know pulling up um i believe they were pulling nick jackson's hair to get up and then they run down um Butcher and I can't even remember Blade. the other Mo's name. But, oh, Butcher and the Blade. They run them down and then they have the moment with the box and then they walk off. I'm excited for it. And I, I you know, given the circumstances, and again, I give all the talent credit that was in the crowd because they, they helped cheer this on. I, I did look at this like I know they were supposed to. No, I don't even know if there really is. Like, I don't know what you compare Moxley showing up at double or nothing to. I know if anything you want to compare Jake Hager showing up at the first double or nothing to Luger, but like this to me was like Scott Hall's show up. I mean, this was good. The only thing I can think like, yes, the crowd would have made this better, but this was a fun segment. Definitely the highlight of the night. Oh yeah, it was definitely a highlight of the of the night for Dynamite. But like I like I personally think that if there was a crowd, this might get a ovation kind of maybe even louder than Moxley. Because like, because like, if you like, you're we're, we're assuming I'm assuming that a lot of these people in the audience they listen to that Tij interview, and they all everybody everybody almost almost everybody in that arena they know that they've been wanting this for years. Like it's been fucked the revival for years on being the elite, you know. So I think that might actually got a louder pop than Moxley if there was crowd if there was a crowd. Um. I'm a Moxley Mark, so I have a hard time siding either way on it. Um, we, we're talking about the end of their first ever pay-per-view, if you don't include All In. 
and you get a former world champion showing up who everyone knows is disgruntled and then comparing it to an over tag team that already has a built in feud showing up on a weekly TV show. I think it would have got maybe one of the largest TV pops that we've gotten from the show. I don't think it would have competed with that Moxley pop. Okay. I, I do think it would definitely have been up there, though. It would have been a good pop. Yeah. I don't, just don't think it would have outdone it. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not disagreeing, but like, I think it would have been, it'll, it'll have been close. Because, like I said, like the, the fact that those guys never even met each other until, well, per, per kayfabe, they didn't meet each other until that moment. True. All right, so we'll go to the TNT Championship match. Cody defeats Lance Archer with Mike Tyson as the title as the title presenter, and the belt still not finished. They did they did specify that on the broadcast. The belt's not finished. Uh, I thought the match was good. Like I said in the top of the show, I thought it needed a crowd because there was actually a built-in story there. Mike Tyson, I thought it was perfect. Uh, his reactions to everything, like the way he was like kicked back. <laughs> holding the belt, sitting next to Dasha, and like when he snitched on Arn Anderson, and like he was just like basically ready to go the entire time. <laughs> so I, I appreciated that, and uh, both Jake and Arn try to get involved. Cody wins with back-to-back crossroads, and he's your first TNT champion. In this past week on Dynamite, Jungle Boy wins a battle royal, and he'll face Cody next week for the TNT championship. So, what are your thoughts on the TNT championship match at Double or Nothing? The match, I'll call it, it, it was what it was. I kind of have the same sentiments of you. But again, that match I haven't rewatched. Um, trying to maintain everything, keep an eye on my child. And I, I did not get to fully grasp everything that went down in the match. I enjoyed what I saw of it. Um, <clears throat> I thought the right man won. Obviously, being a Cody fan, I did predict him winning. The title I don't completely hate. Uh, I'm excited to see it changing. Cody also did mention in the uh, post-show interview that he's not eager for the belt to change because he will always associate what the belt currently looks like with, you know, he'll associate the TNT championship with what he won and what he was presented. He doesn't know, like, you know, that moment is always going to be, hey, look, what got handed to him is what it is. Um it wouldn't be you and me if we didn't kind of chime more in the belt a little bit. One thing I do like, there, there's some people, in, everyone on social media hates the belt. Uh, one thing is a certain belt maker was hating online on how generic the side plates are. Well, maybe they're, they're generic, but something that's really cool is it's the TNT Championship and the actual building, if you did not know, and for the listeners that don't know, the side plates, the building that is in it is actually Turner's house. Really? Yeah. So Turner's network and Turner's damn crib is on the side plate. Pretty cool when you think about it. Um, I'm excited to see what the belt's going to look like. There's so many mock-ups. I mean, when we actually see a finished product, it could look so many different ways. I mean, if it's really as plain Jane as it is, and then they change it and have actual extremely detailed main center plate, which – Certain belt makers are hating, thinking that it's just going to be gold and that's not going to make it better. But I think there's actually a lot more detail that we're just not seeing yet. Either way, this plain belt is more unique and better than what we've seen in other places. 
Yeah, I don't like it. Um, but I'm glad billionaire Ted was a mark for himself and had his house on the side plates. I did I do appreciate that. But I'm not a fan. I'll wait till the final product comes out to judge it. But I know me and Prep personally weren't fans of it, right? Yeah. I, I know the funny thing is just with, with how the world and collectors are, no matter if it's, you know, let's say there's a thousand people talking about the belt and if 950 of them hate it, I'll say five years from now, 500 plus oh, oh, will, yeah. all, will all want this belt yep. if it changed because, oh, that was the belt just used for a week, just used for a month, uh-huh. just used for oh, six definitely. months. So, um, I don't know. It, it has a weird resemblance, I think, because of the, the main plate. The, the the shaping of the plate is kind of, I don't know, the main plate with the roundness to it. It has, some people won't see it, it has the ECW TV title, which is similar to the, the, the winged eagle. Just that circular center plate has a little vibe of that to me, but... You know, we, we don't know. The, the the main plate may just change gold. It may be gold and then have a lot more detail. So I'm excited to see it, and I don't hate it for what it is. Yeah, like, I, I don't, like, as a, as a nice, I'll, I'll judge you at the final product, but if there was more detail, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if it's going to stay silver or not. Yeah, shout out to COVID. They messing everything up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to stay silver or not. Do you know if that that's the case, or is it really supposed to be gold? I, I believe they said on commentary that it's supposed to be gold. Okay, yeah, I'll wait to the final product. Like, I don't have a belt. I don't have a problem with the silhouette or anything. It's just I, it just looks generic. I, I will say this because, like, when you think of like your favorite belts or the best looking belts over the years, I, and I'm probably wrong. I, I hope you quickly correct me, and we all know I'm one of the biggest belt marks in the group. When you think of a silver belt, all I can really think of is the classic tags when they had their short silver periods, like. I can't really think of a good silver belt. Like, so if the if the plate stays silver, but then get more detail, that'd be cool. Yeah, because like the current tags is silver, but yeah, but that's they, about it. And I hate those too. Yes. <laughs> but, but the TNT title, like I said, I'll wait to the final product. If there's more added detail, I probably will like it. But I do like the silhouette. But the final, but the product that we got, I don't care for. So you gave your thoughts on the match already. So. On Dynamite during the Inner Circle pep, pep Rally, which was amazing. Did you see this? Oh, of course. Oh, okay. Vicky Guerrero, the hottest cheerleader in the room. <laughs> her her uh, cheerleader gave me Schaumburg vibes. I, I, I can't believe that you didn't try to do anything with that at Icons that time. You, you could have had her. I did. I did. <laughs> I told her I, I want. She was looking at a uh, China uh, plate, like a dinner plate or uh-huh. like a. Uh, What's the fly word they use for for um, dishes? Uh, China, fine China. Fine China, no pun intended. Fine China <laughs> with China on it, and the the gentleman selling it, Vicky thought it was funny to say to them, "Why'd they never make a plate with me?" With no hesitation, I looked her in her eye. I said, "I've always wanted a plate with you on it to eat off of." <laughs> what and a, she did not see that coming. What a gun. <laughs> What a gun. All right. So, like, the fact that everybody had a gifts for each other, I appreciate it. Like, Sammy Guevara with the participation trophies, because that's a big thing in sports now with with parents. So, they get uh, participation trophies. And Jericho said, Jericho's trophy said best dad jokes. And then Sammy hits the, the perfect joke of, well, it's, it's a pandemic. That's all I can get right now. And uh, Santana gave a Hager the, the single soul Tims. And saying they're the cheap ones, but they're good. I, dude, I laugh so hard. 
Because, I think they were worse than Singular Soul Tim's. Weren't they just some real fakes? Or uh, Well, there's two versions to that Tim. There's a Double Soul, which are the 161s, which are the only ones that are valid. Those are the deemed... Out, oh, yeah, out, yeah, yeah. out here, they're deemed butters. In New York, we call them constructs. So that's what... So I'm thinking that... I thought these weren't even like real wheats. They looked like they were almost leather. Yeah, he said whatever they did a knockoff call. I'm not sure if he means like they're the single sold ones. No, or, it was it was worse than the single sold. Or, or or they're just some um, regular uh, boots. I, I, your but, eyes may not been on the TV. It was worse than the single sold. Because I, I watched that on my it, phone, so I might admit I might have missed it. It it was worse than the single souls. Because because like like for example, the New Yorker enemy knows the the the, the only valid boot like that is the 161s. So I, I appreciated that Hager's poem was beautiful. And Jericho popping for the Mark Anthony picture, absolutely amazing. And then they Jer- bro- they broke that picture. <laughs> and then Jericho says he never he he never forgot the night from Raw ten years ago when Tyson knocked him out. And then they took a second to, to, to talk about how that video. Matter of fact, yeah, last week we took we talked about for a second the Mike Tyson video of him saying like quote unquote I'm back. And allegedly he's supposed to have an opponent. In a boxing match, pretty soon announced, allegedly. So, my question is: This might be WWE of AEW, but they need casual eyes on the product. And since Mike Tyson, right now is is Mike kinda, Tyson, it's kind of like trending in a big topic. Is it smart for them to possibly position him with a big program? Looks like he's going to be with Jericho, probably around Fire Fest, like. Is that a big? De- is that a good idea for AEW to actually to do like to kind of boost their exposure? Yes, it is. Because if WWE would use Mike Tyson tomorrow, that would get casual fans. If fans that knew there is a new wrestling program that have never watched it, Mike Tyson has a quote unquote match, fight, boxing bout. People are going to watch it. There will be more people tuning in than would not be tuning in. There will be fresh eyes. There will be people that have never tuned in a TNT to see what all elite wrestling is. Yeah, because especially now, like, I like the fact that they pulled the trigger on this so early. Because it was like maybe like the week before where he, he had that video posted. And we all know, well, I like to say the world moves too fast to care. Something else will happen and you'll forget about what happened. But they pulled the trigger quick on this whole Tyson thing. And the fact that he's actually going to be on television, it looks like he's going to be on television for for a little while longer. I think it's a big deal. They got him at the perfect time. Like WWE, they would have got him like after, what, what, a month or so after when his whole popularity and, and momentum is gone. But AEW, they, they, they pulled the trigger right away. And I did appreciate that. Yeah, and I, I think I think it was a great call. There was a bad. I, I hate even giving it a cue. But did you see the um, then versus now? They they did a, a picture of him with the DX shirt like this. He's like says Mike Tyson watching WWF. And then I guess there's a picture of him maybe even holding the dynamite or the the TNT title is during the match and he's yawning. Oh yeah, that was a good spot too. Because <laughs> like I say he was kicked back and relaxed that entire time. So, speaking of championships, we'll go to the AEW title match. John Moxley defeats Brody Lee. And 
I thought they had a good match. I thought they did a good job of using everything around them. They used their environment pretty well, like with the playing cards and the props. And Moxley hits a paradigm shift through the stage. And I thought Broly took Moxley to his limits. Again, this match needed a crowd, in my opinion. And uh, the paradigm shift couldn't put Broly away. And Moxley had to dig into his bag of tricks and pull out a sleeper, which is a good way to protect Broly, I believe. Because Broly did take a beat and he was battered and bloodied up. So your thoughts on... The AEW Championship match. I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a, a fun match. Like I said, this is something that I think during this period it, it'll go down as um, one of the better pandemic matches. Um, I think a lot of AEW naysayers are hating on how many heels lost during this night, which I don't think is something that is necessarily true in any scenario of the matches. I think. Brody Lee losing is did not hurt him, as you just mentioned. I think this helps Moxley. It is his second defense. There was zero reason for him to lose the title. Uh, and, and it was a good, solid a, a good solid W for him, where it's going to help his title reign. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting. Like, it's a good way to protect him because he's like this big deal in AEW being bro- with Brody Lee. And... Speaking of protect, speaking of uh, the title and losing the title, also I dealt with nothing. Brian Cage was the mystery man, not Steve Borden. And Brian Cage debuts managed by Taz. And we talked about this briefly about, I think me and Prep talked about this about because remember Darby Taz was trying to recruit Darby Allen. So I think Darby Allen versus Brian Cage should be a feud that they go to pretty quickly here because that's actually that's, that's already a built-in story because of the connection with Taz and Brian Cage is going to challenge John Moxley at Fighter Fest, which hasn't had a date yet, been given a date yet. And sometime this summer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not because last year at Fighter Fest was in June, so I'm, I was assuming it'll be sometime next month, but no date has been announced. Even on Dynamite, they had no date for us and. Now, I'm not sure your take on Cage. Like, I know my take on Cage. I think Prep's similar to me. Uh, I think he's a great athlete. I think he's really good in the ring, but I just find him corny, personally. Um, so, you only found him corny because of his emails? No. that I just found him a terrible speller and has terrible grammar skills. But I just find, I just find him corny, personally. But I think he's a phenomenal athlete and great in the ring because he's like... he, For example, like when he first came on the scene in Luchana Ground about five, five, four or five years ago... Like, some people were referring to him as Lucha Lesnar because he's, like, the first guy with that kind of build that we've seen in a long time since probably Brock Lesnar can actually do all those things. Yes, I mean, he, you know, quote-unquote, he may not be a man. He may be a machine because he moves like nobody his size should. Um, His matches in Lucha Underground with Willie Mack, I think, you know, again, Lucha Underground having that cinematic feel, but they may be some of the most underrated wrestling matches of this era. Uh, they had some classic barn burners, hardcore street fight matches that are always worth rewatching. I, I, I didn't watch any of his impact stuff, really. Obviously, we, I got to see him once or twice at House of Hardcore, but I loved uh, his work that I did see in Lucha Underground. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some of his work in Lucha Underground, and a lot of people's complaint is some people say that he doesn't need Taz. I'm not sure. He if, does, because Taz is going to be a way better mouthpiece than he would. Be. Okay, that's all, that was my next question. I'm not sure if he's good on the mic or, or whatever. I said I never really pay attention to him on the mic or in promos. So I, I, that's interesting to see. It's a it's an odd pairing when you look at it. 
but I'm definitely interested to in see what they actually do with that. Go ahead. Take his email grammar into consideration. You should know that his <laughs> promo ain't going to be so good. Really good point there. I appreciate that point. All right, so a few quick hits. Like I said at the top of the show, Hikaru Shida, she defeated Nella Rosa in the AEW Women's World title. In a good match, but long, I thought. Uh, Britt Baker's injury update by a doctor when he said the patient's a bigger problem than the injury, I thought was amazing. And I thought her promo was good when she came out in the, uh, the With wheelchair. With the graph? Yes. And uh, the back of her chair says role model, like R O R O L. So good. I popped for that. So good. I, I hope she said she'll be she'll be back by all out and I hope she stays on TV through that time. Because I really love Britt Baker. She's definitely one of my favorites on TV right now. She's definitely the best female character and I know she's Oh the most definitely. Vote, you know, she she has the most notable name for the company in the women's division, but I mean, no, no one else can hold a candle to her when it comes to the mic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and like you said, like she's probably the best developed character the women's division has. And if you go back to when AEW first started, when Dynamite first debuted, we were. It's like where are these where are these characters and Britt Baker, she's definitely transformed herself into probably one of the like well the best in the women's division, but I think one of the top ones in the company. Also, MJF defeated Jungle Boy. Chris Statlander defeated Penelope Ford, and we talked about Dustin Rose defeating Sean Spears. Uh, my thoughts are, I mean, I, I love the, you know, the whole class to come out, and hey, here we get the, uh, all right, give me the 10 count, I'm going to win. You kind of know when it's going to happen, and, you know, due to pandemic, we can get the, the, the funny camera angle where Dustin shows up in the ring, and then you get the pop. And then he's attacking them. Um, I re- and the thing I also I enjoyed about it because of the way they delivered it. I mean, I didn't see the result going the way it did. Uh, I I foreseen Sean ha- somehow still getting the win, but I don't think it killed him. Well, I, 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 did we both pick Sean Spears last week? I'm pretty sure we did. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure too. But I I like the way it was booked because basically. Sean was saying Dustin's wash and uh, Dustin just destroyed him. I, I love the the Tully face on his boxers. I thought that was perfect. He tried to like cover it up. But I said that match was booked. A little awkward, but yeah, it was awkward. It was awkward, but that match was I thought was booked to perfection because it was supposed to be a beat down, which I did appreciate. So, is there anything else in the world of wrestling? Hmm. Uh, well, I enjoyed getting a battle royal on TV. Um, as a big battle royal mark. Plus, I believe it was the only one AEW has done TV wise, aside from the Casino Royal battle royals. Um, th- that was good. I'm trying to think if there's anything on show that we're skipping. I think that's about it. Yeah. Well, for, for, before we start this recording, we talked about inflation and sneaker prices. Have you finished The Last Dance yet? I did. What did you think? Um, well, since we're on a wrestling podcast, I wish, rather than like two and a half minutes, I wish we would have got like a full 10-minute segment on Rodman's time in, uh, or in WCW Nitro. Yeah. Um, but I did, uh, I did, I mean, geez, it, Ten episodes in, I wish there was two more. I it probably would have been better as a twelve part series. The show was once in a lifetime. 
you obviously follow the National Basketball Association a lot closer present day than I do currently. It it will never be as good as it was then. Oh, absolutely not. Oh, no. Nice. What what a uh, man. What an amazing team. What an amazing cast. Um, you know, just to be completely honest, I, you know, we had a complete focus on Jacksonville's All Elite Wrestling this week. You know, we still have WWE fandom here, and I enjoyed week one, episode one of The Undertaker's Last Ride. I don't know if you've been watching episode two and three. I watched the first one. I thought that I was good. Binge them when the third comes out because I watched the first one and I absolutely loved it. I binge watched the second and the third back to back and literally after watching The Last Dance and I was like, they shouldn't be copying this because it is just lackluster in comparison. With the la- the with- first episode... Last, last, uh, the last ride I thought had a shot of being, and again, as a huge wrestling mark, I thought after episode one, this has a shot to compete with the last dance. Episode two and three are, you got to watch them like weeks after you're removed from the last dance, because if you're watching the last dance and then you watch this, you're like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. Cause I, is it that bad? So they really just are focusing on like, I'd say his last 10 years and kind of like going back and forth over like, I, I maybe is like, yeah, his last 10 years and they go back and forth. Now, now again, <clears throat> there is a fourth and fifth episode. So I don't know if they, where they go back. The one thing I really enjoyed about the last dance, they really go over Jordan's entire Chicago bulls career. And many times they'll go back to his early four years in the eighties. And we, I don't think we're getting enough of, Taker's 90s career in this. Do we need it though? That, now I, I understand. I understand. Yes, yes. I don't. Okay. I don't think we need a huge. Do we? Do we need an episode dedicated to it? No. But if I'm getting a 15 to 10 minute, uh, 10 to 15 minute segment on what he did in '84 against the Cavaliers, what Jordan was doing, or what he did in his rookie year, and what he did against the Celtics in his rookie year, and how he dropped 60 plus points against them in his rookie year but how he couldn't do it with the team or the leadership he had. I, I I think we do need a little bit more of what Taker did do in the past. The only thing we, you get in those first three episodes and not to spoil it for you is you do get clips of that one promo where it was like the first time where he kind of was getting out of that phenom dead man character when he came out in that crew neck sweatshirt and he talked up basically shot or Vince and talked about how he's never left. He's always been there, even then, even when his chosen favorites left and went to greener pastures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, like, like I, I, I wasn't expecting it to have flashbacks in it. Like, like, like when they told when they discussed it, I was expecting for it to be like just what what happened from WrestleMania thirty three to to now. So look, your favorite of all time, Triple H. My, you know, arguably it depends day of the week. My favorite of all time, Shawn Michaels. Episode three is all about the- Mania 25, 26, 27, 28, where he has that, 
I don't know what the word is after trilogy, but when he has that four-match series against them, mm-hmm. and then going from that to what they gave us in that... I, I forgot about the down-under match where it was Triple H versus Taker, and then Kane's in Taker's corner, Sean's in Hunter's corner, and then weeks, months later, you get the, the tag match and how bad it was, and they talk about it. And, and he says, because of how bad it is, that's why he comes back. Mm-hmm. But when you relive and when they're honest and talk about how bad that was, it's like, oh, geez. Like, I mean, they basically do end the episode where it, they end the episode and you're thinking like, wow, here's these four legends. And quote unquote, two of them have not hung it up and they, they should have meaning Kane and Taker, and not to really pick on Kane, but, like, Taker should have hung it up, but he's still out there. He's still doing it. And then, you know, they it's kind of a rough nod at, you know, Sean, who he retired eight years prior, and he comes back, and he has another one. And then it basically just says, hey, look, here's these guys that don't really know when to give it up, and then because they have a bad match, Taker's going to keep coming back. He's going to keep coming back. He's going to keep coming back. And they do talk about, you know, season two or episode two and three, they do talk about how he really did think his match with Roman, he thought he was done after that. Yeah, yeah, because that was in episode one because they showed that. And I've, yeah. I've never rewatched that match back because I was there live. I haven't rewatched it back live. So, like, those little few clips that they showed in the documentary, that was, that was my first time actually watching anything of it back. But I'm going to sit down and watch it because I. I, I am aware that they did go back, I, I believe, episode three about the whole Shawn yeah. Michaels and WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels and Hunter thing. And I I think they covered the Goldberg match. I think. No, that's going to be episode four. Yeah, in a, in a future episode. Yeah, I believe they covered that. And that, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to hearing about that because yep. that, that was dre- that was awful. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at episode four and five. Uh, I'm sure, look, if four, episode four is either going to be equivalent to two and three or it's going to be better. And I think episode five will be a barn burner. We're going to get a a really good episode. But I just – two and three don't compare to episode one. And I'll just say when – especially with episode three, they're focusing on four of the greatest of all time, two of our personal favorites. And I just kind of – you know, as a hardcore fan, you don't end that episode with the best feeling in your mouth. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna check it out this weekend because I, I have a couple days off. So, is that all you got for me today? That's all I got for everyone. All right. So, all right, everybody. So, hopefully, the old host will be back next week. Fingers fingers crossed, everybody. So next week's going to be all about ECW One Night Stand, 2006. You got that, Eric? If you go, if you'll be here. <laughs> hey. I was going to tap out next week, but we're talking about ECW, and you can't really do that episode without me. So Is that RVD, uh, RVD winning the title? I can't don't ruin it for the listeners. Spoiler alert, it's 14 years old. Well, for all the ladies at home, you can never be first, but you can always be next. <laughs> all right, so everybody, that's the show for tonight. Uh, for Ek2 Fly, Eric Bicky, I'm Halo Aaron Lloyd, and we will see you next week. By the land with his elbow. Got him now, put him down right now. Hit him with the palm handle. 
tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans marking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't safe to land. Off the cell, fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.